This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Patrick Flynn. Katie, yesterday there was a big announcement in the House of Commons. Um, James Cleverley, the new Home Secretary, announced a big package of measures changing the uh, visa system and how you can come to this country. Uh, he's then flied off to Rwanda to talk about the new treaty that's going to be agreed there. Um, where are we on day two of Migration Week? To start with legal migration, you had James Cleverly yesterday, as we talked about in advance, laying out various measures the government is taking to try to reduce legal migration. Taken together, the measures which include raising the minimum threshold salary for skilled workers coming here to just over 38,000, making it so NHS health workers cannot bring dependents across with them, and also um, raising the threshold when it comes to, uh, you know, bring a partner from abroad over here. You put them all together, along with a few other measures, and they think it will reduce net migration by 300,000. As for when exactly that will happen, I think one of the problems with this is, will it be reduced by that ahead of the next election? That seems unlikely. And speaking to ministers um, when it comes to these measures, I think there is a feeling that it does not get them out of the woods in the sense it's going to make this big dent in net migration, whereby they can look at that 2019 manifesto commitment and say, we achieved it, it's gone down. But it might, in a way get them to a point where they at least have something to say in the doorstep, which is look at the plan, we're doing that, what would the other side do? And therefore, you know, almost in a a position where they will try and have voters trust that if you were to stick with the Tories, the numbers will come down. Of course, I think given the Tories have been in power for 13 years, all those arguments are a bit trickier. But so far, I think it has been broadly welcomed within the Tory party. You have some on the right who would like it uh, to go slightly further. But I have to say it's, it's landed fairly well. I think it's just there is a feeling of, is it too little too late mm. to politically achieve the aims, um, the, the MPs who've been calling for it? Uh, Patrick, what was your assessment of the measures announced thus far? Well, funnily enough, Katie mentioned that phrase, too little, too late. Uh, and I think both of those things are true, particularly the too late thing. Um, you know, Boris Johnson was the prime minister that the Red Wall, in their naivety, expected to really prioritise bringing down immigration. But as kind of people in the Westminster village in the know understood, uh, he was the most liberal conservative leader on immigration matters uh in living memory, really. So it didn't particularly surprise uh, the village when he announced this uncapped scheme for Hong Kongers, threw another one in for Ukraine, lowered the earnings threshold, fairly generous towards the the Afghan uh, uh, asylum seekers too, uh, and presided over kind of world record immigration and didn't stop the boats either, which is a, a different issue. But I think Rishi Sunak had an opportunity after the brief Liz Liz Truss interregnum to come in and make that manifesto commitment and fulfilling it a priority. And if he'd done that, I think, you know, he wouldn't be losing all these voters on the right flank uh, to reform. He didn't do that repeatedly. You know, Suella Braverman, whatever you think of her, has got chapter and verse uh, alongside Robert Jenrick. We told you to do this. We said credibility was on the line. It wasn't done. And it just appears to me there's a smack of desperation about what the Prime Minister is doing on legal migration this week. 
everyone's obviously aware he's looking at the reform polling numbers, terrified of what Nigel Farage might do when he comes back from the jungle, has realized that his his preferred thinking was that everyone really cared about the boats, but people weren't that bothered about legal immigration so long as quotes that it, there was this control in theory. Well, I think he's found out from private polling that's not the case. He's running to catch up, but he looks like rather than instigating something because he believes in it, he's just being pushed around. He's on the back foot. And even Keir Starmer now seems to have, have outflanked him as a migration skeptic, which is sort of hilarious position for Sunak to have got himself into. I think the interesting thing is how will Labour respond when it comes to all those measures? Now, they have taken some of the things Labour was suggesting. Um, they were talking about the 20% undercut when it comes to those on the shortage occupation list. Previously, the Tories have adopted that as part of their plan, I mean, axing it. But will Labour now go so far as to say they'll keep all those measures in place? Um, I don't think we've yet had the signal from them. I think there is a feeling, though, that even if Labour were to accept it and hold it, got to the point where the Tories just had to do something, to have something to say themselves. I just think you combine it with the fact you have Sue Adabravman on the outside saying you should have listened to me sooner, to Patrick's point. And it means even now the Tories don't look massively united on the topic. Patrick, why do you think, in your view, the Tories were slow to react on this? Um, you've written a blog for us this week where you talk about the fact that immigration, which previously wasn't top of the voter concerns, or certainly 2019 Tory voter concerns, is now well, well in front of the economy. Why do you think number 10, which has so many advantages at its disposal in terms of resources, operations, etc., was so slow to pick up on this? Well, I think that their preferred worldview was this idea that people were particularly affronted by illegal immigration, which is true, and therefore somehow relaxed uh, about legal uh, migration. Uh, perhaps the volumes took them by surprise. I think, you know, the the so-called migration experts were expecting, you know, net migration, the, the latest figures to come in sort of half a million or lower, and there'd be a really significant fallback from 2022, which didn't really happen. You had the uprating of the 2022 figure and then to mid-2023 comes in at about 670 again, which is, you know, these are enormous figures. Uh, so I think they've been caught a bit cold by that. Obviously, the Sunak end of the Tory party perhaps has a reputation for being quite biddable when it comes to vested interests. I mean, the higher education, you know, is a growth industry in this country. It is economically quite important. It has a very strong lobbying operation. And again, the sort of corporate sector with this this pattern of kind of cheap, low productivity labor turning a, a, some kind of profit being the economic model we're mired in. You know, the Treasury traditionally, where Sunak spent all of his career, uh, was very relaxed about this, let's just grow GDP, sort of forget about GDP per capita and be blind to the social impacts. Well, you know, it's come off the rails because they weren't really attuned to it and no one in Downing Street, I would argue, was particularly plugged into, quote, the real world. I think it's always the case, too, that depending on the role that you have in government, you're going to have a different view on it. So if you were Chancellor, the Chancellor tends to make the arguments, and of course there may be some exceptions to the rule, that this is going to have an economic shock. Um, what is this going to do for uh, you know supply, staff, staff shortages? And it's almost the role of the Chancellor to flag that, just as the Education Secretary will start to feel very nervous when you talk about cutting student figures and thinking about how universities these days rely so heavily on international students. Um, so I think 
lot, you know, you do have Rishi Sunak's critics saying, well, he blocked some of these things they claim when he was prime minister. So then when he was chancellor, I think now he's prime minister, he obviously has to look at the fuller picture. So you could say, oh, he's just doing it now because, you know, he has to. But I do think it's just a natural role, just as a home secretary, has always been the person who's, you know, most getting to that point and then you get to it. Looking at these, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that in the Conservative Party right now, the conversation is very much, have they gone far enough? And is it too little too late? But still, there's obviously the other side of it, which is that some of the decisions are, you know, potentially going to cause shortages. So there's questions as to to what effect um, is it going to have when it comes to healthcare workers on stopping them being able to bring over dependents. Now, I think that the that ministers, when they first came up with some of these relaxations, massively miscalculated. They thought, you know, about 15,000 would people take it up. Instead, it was, you know, such a higher figure, which is one of the reasons you're turning on it. But uh, if you think about, you know, the country you're competing with right now for some of these things, it's not without risk on the other side. And they'll probably, you know, start to come into effect middle of next year in the spring. And um, so we're not going to have that much time, you know, to work out pull the next election, what impact. But it could still be rocky, even with as far as they have gone. And Katie, I think finally, where do you see this going in the next couple of days? We're expecting to see potentially, you know, on Wednesday, Thursday, some legislation to try and iron out those Rwanda scheme uh, criticisms from the Supreme Court. Um, how do you see the rest of the week unfolding? So we had James Cleverty today signing the Rwanda Treaty. I think we now currently have a row about whether the number 10 were being honest when they said that there was not new money um, on when being paid to Rwanda when you look at some of the details. Then I think probably the... The part of this, which I think is potentially the most contentious, is the emergency legislation and how far they go in terms of declaring Rwanda a safe country. Do you go for what has been called the full fat version, effectively disapplying Human Rights Act and ECHR? Do you go for a middle way version or do you go for the lightest version, which would find the easiest route through the House of Commons and through the House of Lords? Now, up until last night, Rishi Sunak had not had a commons defeat, but he did have one with a contaminated blood scandal. A very different issue. But I think it does just remind you that, uh, though we talk about the House of Lords, there will be, you know, Tory critics to probably, whichever way you go about those plans, if you go for the lightest version, you are going to have a revolt on the right of having saying this isn't going to fix the problem. You, you need a different plan. What's the point of having a plan B that won't do what they think it will work? If they go for the full fat version, I think you will have some uncomfortable MPs towards the left of the party, One Nation MPs. The view, I think, of some in government is you probably could face down that group. Actually, it's the right that feel the strongest. And if you go with the plan and you almost challenge people to say, this is what we need to get through, the numbers will be fairly low. But then you get to the House of Lords and you have the problem there. All this needs to be done uh, you know, pretty much this week to get it in motion if you are going to get to a point by next year where you could try and get a flight off by the spring, I think, potentially. And therefore, you are expecting something probably by Thursday, if if you runs past this week, I think that points to serious debates inside government and little light. Patrick, what should Rishi Sunak do? I think it's irretrievable for Rishi Sunak because I think uh, in the eyes of huge swathe of the electorate, the government has lost the battle over sincerity. He, when he launched the I Will Stop the Boats initiative on whatever it was, January the 4th, he framed it in terms of being seen to strain every sinew. Well, partly thanks to Suella, we now know he didn't strain every sinew. He bottled the original Illegal Migration Act. She said we need these notwithstanding 
clauses she said don't take uh don't take a, a pun that the supreme court will uphold the original high court version that rwanda is legal he didn't cover either of, of those bases there's no plan b um again there's this issue as katie was saying about the quote left of the party well i you know i think there there's more than a hundred conservative mps who don't want to leave the echr or even disapply it and i think out in the country people understand if, if you really really want to stop illegal immigration and be able to deport illegal migrants there's the, it just doesn't, doesn't seem a pathway in which the conservative party delivers that even setting aside the house of lords you know if you've got 80 to 100 tory mps that will vote that down the tories would need a, a majority of like 200 to get that through and looking at politics now i think we can agree there's not going to be a tory majority of anything like that dimension because there isn't going to be a tory majority at all yeah i think leaving the echr is something where you potentially would get to those numbers i think disapplying is probably a test to see you know how many would uh, go along with it potentially because they think if you don't do this we're going to end up with a pledge to leave the ECHR eventually. Um, so I think you could get some MPs on that side of the party backing it more because they view it as the lesser of two evils and then because they're enthusiastic of the plan. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.